a creature alive today has survived millions of years of evolution. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine that will attack and devour anything. One terrified you like nothing you have ever experienced when it captured your imagination and tapped your fear like no movie before it. Then, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, two continued the legend and spread the fear. Next summer, nature's most terrifying creature takes on an all-new dimension in an all-new adventure. And for the first time, the terror of Jaws will not stop at the edge of the screen. Oh, good to be back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to uh, the, I guess, new season, quote-unquote, of uh, Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast. I am Sam. And I am Will, coming at you in 3D. Yes, put on your 3D headphones now, because we are talking about one of the most beloved summer blockbusters of all times, Other Other Sequel. Jaws 3D. <laughs> oh, uh, this movie was cute. Like this movie, this movie thinks it's people. Like this movie thinks it's a. Re- it's trying. It wants well, to be a real movie. Well, it feels like it. It is a real movie for the first act, and then it like has a stroke and forgets what it's trying to do, and then like all the tension deflates out of the balloon, and then they have to work real hard to like get the tension back. And uh, and all this stuff. So it's it's so weird. It's such a strange, strangely structured movie. Yeah, it's um, it's it's, it's so it's. I mean, there didn't need to be any Jaws sequels, and the fact that there are three is just hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not gonna. We don't really need to waste any time. Like. Do we need to sell the people on Jaws at this no, point? No, I, I don't think so. Jaws is a is a spectacular movie, like and... near perfect movie. To, to quote Paul F. Tompkins, uh, what's the count on giant shark movies? Is it still just the one good one? <laughs> it's often imitated, rarely matched, never exceeded. Uh, Steven Spielberg's theatrical directorial debut. It's great script, great cast, great directing production issues that ended up saving the movie, the movie in certain yep. ways uh amazing score obviously we there's nothing left to be said about john williams score for jaws <laughs> i think somewhat unfairly gets uh the uh gets sort of branded as the beginning of the big dumb blockbuster era of movie making but it's a movie that is for at least half of it just three guys on a boat you know <laughs> like arguing and Dealing with their own, you know, various baggage and masculinity in the face of, you know, nature in its, you know, purest form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, like you say, what what more is there to say about Jaws uh, that has not already been said? Yeah, um, yeah. It's no, it's 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 a masterpiece. It's Jaws. <laughs> it's Jaws. It's fucking Jaws. It's my favorite. It's my July Fourth movie. It's probably one of my top five favorite movies. I could watch it over and over and over again and i love it as a film goer and as a filmmaker it's yeah. it's a reference point for me uh 
So, Jaws came out in 1975, humongous hit, Best Picture nominee, uh, and obviously, when you have a movie that makes that much money, you're going to have to make a sequel. <laughs> so they made Jaws 2 in 1978, which, you know, is like, a, it's a movie. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's like, it's fine. It's, it's perfectly serviceable if you must have a giant shark movie, like, sequel where a giant shark attacks, a different giant shark attacks the same town and characters it does about as good a job as you could hope you get you get roy scheider back you get most of the amity characters back right it, it they my favorite part of jaws 2 is that in the first act they the shark attacks a boat and the boat explodes and the shark catches on fire so for the rest of the movie the shark has burn scars over Ooh. one side so you know that this shark is extra evil <laughs> The shark is coming to play. <laughs> yeah, and one of the f- great failings of all the Jaws sequels is that they got a better grip on the on uh, how to make their mechanical sharks work, quote-unquote work, so they're on <laughs> camera a lot more. So, and... and, and, and <laughs> I mean, at least with this movie, I can't... I, I don't remember anything about Jaws 2, but at least with this movie... The shark doesn't work all that well. <laughs> no, uh, no, shark. The uh, shark in Jaws two. It's fine. It's probably about as good as the sh- shark in Jaws one. You just don't see the shark in Jaws one all that much. And my favorite shot in Jaws two is that they're pulling someone out of the water and into the boat, and it's just as the shark swims by, and they have the shark come out of the water. But the water pressure on the side of the fiberglass shark is so great that the shark is getting like squeezed. So it looks like he's like just stretching his mouth really, really wide and vertical. And you can see like all the not shark on the inside. Uh, yeah. But Jaws 2, Jaws 2 is like the. That's the. Um, like that's the one I imagine you would have seen on cable a million times. Right. It's got big yeah. like Halloween four energy. You know, <laughs> right. it's yeah. it's like it's fine. Now it's now nineteen early eighties, and we got to keep the Jaws train going. <laughs> David Brown and Richard Zanuck own the production rights, and Universal really wants to keep the the money flowing for this franchise. So they're like, "What do we do? What do we do? What do what's left to do?" <laughs> well, we could make a spoof. Uh, and uh, that's what they started out doing. Zanuck and Brown originally pitched Jaws 3 as Jaws 3 People Zero. <laughs> and they approached uh, Maddie Simmons, who had produced uh, National Lampoon's Animal House, to produce it. They had John Hughes and Todd Carroll uh, both uh, write the script. And they were going to tentatively have Joe Dante direct. Right. That's right. I remember reading about this. Yes. And uh, ultimately Universal got cold feet because they felt that doing a parody sequel would dilute the Jaws brand. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to just making sort of pumping out some cheapy annoying. Well, this, I mean, (laughs) sales reel for SeaWorld. (laughs) Is it a really good? It's not a good no. sales reel for SeaWorld. No, it is like, not. <laughs> so they, they, the right Brown and Zanuck uh, handed off the rights to this guy Alan Landsberg, who was mostly a TV producer. He produced the uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy in Search of series in the seventies. Oh. So documentary guy who, and he tried to hire um, documentary experimental filmmaker uh, Murray Lerner, who did Festival and From Mao to Mozart. He had just won. I think, an Academy Award for Best Documentary. 
and uh, he did like some. He had done like 3D underwater documentaries in the 70s, and Murray Lerner was interested. And then he read the script, and he was like, "No, I cannot have my name attached to this. Absolutely not." Because <laughs> while they're trying to figure out like who's going to direct the movie, they got kind of they got a real hell of a couple of writers to write the thing. They brought back Carl Gottlieb from the first two movies and they got Richard Matheson to write it. Oh my god. Yeah, like it's credited to Richard Matheson and Carl Gottlieb. Richard Matheson of uh you know, he wrote the script for Duel, Steven Spielberg's Duel and he's one of the most famous he wrote I Am Legend, he wrote Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. He's one of the most famous science fiction writers of the, you know, mid 20th century. And apparently he had a miserable time working on this script. He does not, he's not happy with how it came out. Universal, he thought using bringing back the Brody Sons was a terrible idea. And Universal made, the, made him do it. They also wanted at one point for him to have the shark in this one be the shark from Jaws 2 back for revenge. Oh my god. But eventually he convinced them that a shark seeking revenge is just too silly. <laughs> And by no small coincidence, the fourth Jaws movie is called Jaws, The Revenge. Revenge. (laughs) Uh, They also apparently requested that he write a role for Mickey Rooney in the uh, the film. But uh, uh, then when Mickey Rooney wasn't available, he had to go back and rewrite it so that character wasn't in it. So (laughs) I seriously hope it was Mickey Rooney as uh, Fitzroyce, the Great White Hunter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This movie's... This movie makes SeaWorld look like shit. <laughs> like, this movie makes SeaWorld wor- look worse than Blackfish. It really, I mean, it is, it makes SeaWorld look incredibly boring. And yeah. And, like, like, just, like, the worst time you could have at a theme park. I had no idea that SeaWorld only had about 40 employees and half of them are water skiers. <laughs> Yeah, do you like water skiing, Sam? Oh, you better. Oh if, uh, if you don't like water skiing, this is not the movie for you. <laughs> and I gotta imagine you you would you would couldn't it would blow your mind see water skiers in 3D this much in a movie. <laughs> Audiences probably weren't ready in 1983. No, I, I mean I wasn't ready, and I don't even have a 3D television. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's 3D makes the makes Friday the 13th look like Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's oh. so many bad optical effects. It's just well, mind blowing. And it's also like it's even more random shit than than in Friday the Thirteenth 3D. It's well, like no, Friday the Thirteenth in 3D, apart from being 3D, is about as clean and pure uh, a slasher movie as you can get. This right. is the most needlessly complicated <laughs> giant shark movie out there. <laughs> Yeah, well, and all the things that are like flying at you in 3D, you're like, "Wow, dolphins! Oh my god!" Like, it's a lot of a lot of tentacles and dragon heads inside the undersea kingdom. Yeah. Oh boy. Like I, so as the movie started, I had never seen this before. So as the okay. movie started, I was kind of like, "All right, I get where they're going." They're like, they lay out the entire like structure of the of the park and of the new undersea kingdom, and I'm like, "Okay." I get it. This is a killer shark movie. The killer shark's going to come in. People are going to be trapped in the undersea kingdom, and they need to get them out as the yeah. shark menaces them. Like, no, I mean... Killer shark at SeaWorld is not a bad concept. It's it's, no. it's basically Jurassic World, you know? It's it's the same idea. Right. So, so, you know, you sort of start going through the motions. Like, one guy disappears, and you're like, okay, so then the guy... The people have to sort of figure out, like, what... All right, so they figure out that it's the shark. They get the shark. They get the shark in the thing, and and 
And then they have the debate of, well, we should kill it. Well, maybe we should keep it. And by the time you get there, it, you're about 30 minutes before the end of the movie. <laughs> it's a half an hour before anyone even knows there's a shark right. on the loose. <laughs> And this is like an hour and 45 minute movie. Yeah. And so then that shark, the initial shark, dies. And then, and you're like, okay, so we've got 30 more minutes of this fucking movie left. (laughs) And then you find out that that shark had a mother and the mother is in it for revenge and comes in and, and is actually still in the park. They get that shark out of the park, and then they get bring it back in. <laughs> no, they get it out of the tube. Out of the, oh, it's just in the tube. It's still in the. It's just in the filtration oh, tube. Oh, okay. Just been in there, just hanging out for some reason. No, it's all right. So the shark. <laughs> that this is um, much like Jurassic World. Uh, this is a lagoon with that is somehow uh, like open to the rest of the ocean by a gate, and so. <laughs> Uh, fish can presumably swim out, but more importantly, they open the gate uh, now and then to let the water skiers in, but you can let anything from the open ocean in as well. Right. And so one a, 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 a mama shark and a baby shark uh, get into the lagoon, and it's stuck in there, and they catch the, the baby shark and they hold it in captivity, and it dies, but then there's still a mama shark out there that they then try to lure into the filtration pump tube that it's been hiding in so they can blow it up. But never at any point does it occur to anyone that they could simply lure either or both sharks uh, out of the lagoon back into the open (laughs) ocean. (laughs) (sighs) This movie, the, the, like, and... Then everyone gets stuck in the undersea kingdom, like you expect. Yeah, the the, the very like eleventh hour. Uh, we need to like we need like some some lives at stake. And you'd expect that the shark would menace these people, but the shark never menaces them. No. What the fuck are you doing with this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, you you would think the, the whole final thirty minutes of the movie is the sort of everyone coming together, all these characters that have their differences coming together. To rescue these people, fix the, like, flooded tunnels and rescue these people. You would think there was some urgency, but there is, like, no urgency. That last 30 minutes goes on forever. And you you say that there's really good exposition and you learn about the park, but I think that's just because they had to, like, ADR in a bunch of dialogue because you can't see anything that's happening underwater in this movie. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's—see, and that's the thing. You—that's— you retroactively i know that now that it was all just adr so that you could understand what was going on uh but like on a certain level if you start the movie being like here we're at sea world we're opening this thing and it's going to be underwater and it's like jaws 3 you're like okay i get it this is we're on this i'm on the track <laughs> like the rubber's gonna meet the road and it yeah. just never does <laughs> i <laughs> there's enough in this movie to make me think this I don't this was never going to be a great movie but I no. feel like this could have been if this had been made in 1996 it would probably be in my the pantheon of post Jurassic Park killer animal movies that I love it would be on a par with Congo right like yeah. in that this isn't good but I'm having a good time well and like the least I could ask for is just a bloodbath in SeaWorld and like I don't know, like four people die. Yeah, like, I think that I think the body count in this movie is, I think it's all about it's five people. Yeah, it's 
It's Shelby Overman, the clown in the jockey shorts, a character <laughs> that gets is probably the most nuanced and well-developed character in the film because so much of the plot is uh, just lear- like wondering where he's gotten to <laughs> after we know he's been killed, and this goes on for an hour. <laughs> takes so long for them like, to fit, like find him. the relationship between him and the waitress and they clearly have like a really tumultuous relationship and he's been he clearly has a drinking problem and maybe he's not the most faithful guy but he's also like you know he seems like he's a well-liked good dude you right. know right. <laughs> except Louis Gossett Jr. is gonna fire him <laughs> but 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 Mike Brody stands up for him Dennis That's right, Quaid stands up. I was like Shelby's a good guy you know he's, yeah. a, he's part of my what what Mike Brody does exactly, and what he's going to be doing in Venice? Like, I guess he's like a theme park engineer. Yeah. But what's he going to be doing in Venezuela for eighteen months? I don't know. Maybe they're opening a Sea World in Venezuela. Yes. <laughs> There's no like security. There no. appears to be an engineering team uh, of like underwater divers and mechanics. It's about five people. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Bess Armstrong from My So-Called Life is the only biologist. <laughs> and oh, no, she he, has a couple assistants. She has a couple she? of, well, yeah. one of them, the guy I read was, um, uh, he was the actual animal trainer at SeaWorld. Oh, so like that, okay. that character, that, that, that actor is the guy that actually like trained her to work with Shamu and, and, uh, and the, the dolphin, the two dolphins who are the, like this movie. Cindy and Sandy. They're basically the stars. We're supposed to care about them the most. <laughs> if the final 30 seconds of this movie is anything to go on, we're supposed to care the most about the two dolphins. Well, there's that. And then, and they also, they, uh, fight off the shark too. They do. I, I and, think, and, and at least I think that's the idea. That yeah. Well, you think, to, uh, you think one of them's dead. And right. there's like yeah. a moment where you think Sandy or Cindy is dead, uh, but then at the end they come out and they're okay. <laughs> and they pop out in 3D in a uh, horrible optical optical effect. I, <laughs> all right, I, I I'm not gonna go in order. I don't care because all I want to talk about is for whatever else, whatever other problems with this movie, for all the slow parts, the final let's say four minutes of this movie <laughs> are just perfection. They are they just. Are they amazing. are. Yeah. They are some of the best good bad movie like <laughs> footage that's ever been. You have, it's it's oh, it's so good. It's so <laughs> terrible. From basically the the moment they get into the they they escape the they fix the tunnel they they free all the trapped uh, tourists and and Dennis Quaid Mike Brody and uh, and Kay his girlfriend the marine biologist right. escape into the underwater command center. <laughs> <laughs> SeaWorld apparently also has a massive underwater command center. Uh, right. Even though, as far as I can tell, uh, the uh, no one has an office topside. They seem <laughs> to do all their business out of a tent. Yeah. <laughs> but they get in there, and then it cuts to what I can only describe as a very small, motionless... Uh, <laughs> Uh, fiberglass shark coming just towards the camera slowly floating slowly. and it doesn't even move it it's just not floats. Yeah, it's not moving it's, it's just, just floating. It's just, and everyone goes into bug-eyed slow motion they all scream in terror <laughs> and then when the shark appears to be about 40 feet away it shatters the 3d glass <laughs> ah! oh yeah. it's it's yeah 
and then then the, and then the final like moment of the mo- of the movie is them celebrating that one of the two dolphins isn't dead like they thought in well after after they've blown up the shark like mm-hmm. at the end of the original job yes they blow up the shark <laughs> because uh Simon Fitzroyce was good enough to get swallowed whole and not chewed up at all so he still had a grenade in his hand inside the shark's mouth oh it's great no you can find the final uh, set piece of Jaws uh, 3D on YouTube. Watch it. It's all you really need. It, yeah. You don't none really... of the, Every p- other part of the, the movie is not worth your time. It's kind of fun seeing Leah Thompson, uh, a very, very young Leah Thompson, running around. But yeah. No, it, it, honestly, I like the cast. Like, yeah. I like yeah. I, I like Dennis Quaid. I think he and Bess Armstrong have, like, a really good chemistry. Like, they feel yeah. like a real couple. You... Like, if you can get through the, like, soupy day for night uh, scenes <laughs> on the beach with them, it's like you get this, like, these two really don't, they've been together long enough that they're, they, they, they're in love with each other, but they're clearly not sure, like, if they can handle a year and a half long distance. Right. And, like, she's supposed to go to the, uh, finish up at SeaWorld and go to the Scripps Institute. And I don't know, it's, 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 it's all pointless, like, character fluff that doesn't really inform the movie in any way. But, yeah, but it, it, it's it's just being it conveyed like they're doing everyone's trying really hard. Yeah. Well, but that that kind of stuff does add like a texture to the movie that makes it feel better than it is in in the early stretches anyway. Yeah. It's like, once lo- you get to the middle part of this movie where nothing happens and it's just like all the tension there's no tension and just you're just watching people bumble around SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like I mean, you have to ad- ad- appreciate Bess Armstrong's commitment because uh, once that baby shark has been captured, it's her pushing around a rigid fiberglass <laughs> shark. And <laughs> so there's uh, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, uh, is it Calvin Bouchard, the eccentric <laughs> entrepreneur that uh, financed uh, uh, the undersea kingdom. And also, like, kind of just runs the day-to-day of it. Like, he's really... Everyone reports directly to, Him. essentially, Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't want to wait, because uh, uh, every 30 seconds, the movie can't decide if he's a bad guy or a good guy. Uh, and so, in a mo- bad guy moment, he's like, I want that baby shark on display. It's the only great white in captivity. I want to be able to get in line to see it by 3 o'clock. So they put it in what I can only describe as a touch pool. Like, the, the shark is in about three feet of water, and everyone can it stand over it and look without railings. And I'm not an expert on sharks, but I don't think uh, that's a great place to be if you're right, if a great white shark is nearby, is just leaning over the water. And staring, yeah. Uh, but I was uh, the more important thing is this baby shark gets overwhelmed and it dies. And to show that it dies, Bess Armstrong has to grab it, <laughs> it and over. just roll it over onto where it's, it's back herself. And, and she's just <laughs> selling this the whole time. It's like, it's, 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 oh my God. But yeah, no, it's like, I like the characters. I like both the, bro- I like that Sean Brody, the younger brother, went to school in Colorado. And to has, get away from the ocean. And like, it's yeah. just like, basically like he's a cowboy now. Like, he doesn't <laughs> want to be anywhere near the water. Yeah. Although if anyone could do it, it to get him into the water, it's Leah Thompson. Yes. Yes. Though, <laughs> honestly, by the time she's got him on the bumper boats, he seems like he's kind of over it. Like yeah. it's like she likes the water too much. <laughs> he has a real like by the, you know, before right before they get attacked, he has basically this like he's having a moment on the bumper boats where he's like Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> he's, he's like I don't like you anymore. It's just like a burger. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and 
well, it's, it's, you know, this is just, this movie is just endless B-roll for SeaWorld. Yeah. So this is the, the grand reopening. They're letting everyone back in to see the Undersea Kingdom, but there's also live water skiing and bumper boats and <laughs> the, and lots of 3D Shamu footage. Right, and and then, and also the under, Undersea Kingdom, which is a, a spook house, but with like an, a nautical theme. But also basically. a song and dance thing involving square dancers and a pig. Yeah, what is that? What was that? I don't know. It's like it's like a it's like it's like a knockoff Miss Piggy, and yeah. she's performing with like a bunch of people in like a hoedown show, and it's <laughs> happens to be water adjacent. <laughs> it, but it's like, and then there's also like sort of like a hee haw like mud wrestling bit going on. It's, yeah, there's there's a lot. It's like too much. Yeah, there's, they needed to pare it down. Well, it's this is when they're trying to. So after the baby shark dies, they realize that there's a mother shark because they find Shelby Oberman's body, uh, finally, and he's clearly been attacked by something with a bite radius a yard ac- across. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so, shock of shocks, like, literally as they're talking about this, they look out the window of the underwater restaurant, and there's a, a giant, uh, you know, half of a mechanical shark, shark outside. Coming at them. Staring yeah. at them. And that's when it's like, we got to evacuate the park. We got to shut down the park. And apparently when it comes to shutting down the park, it literally falls to the owner of the park and uh, Dennis Quaid to and, <laughs> and Bess Armstrong to literally run out and single-handedly get people out of the water themselves. There's no lifeguards and there's no security at SeaWorld. It's just them and Fitzroyce the and his uh, and his little buddy, his little uh, Jack. That's like literally, you see Fitzroyce and Jack run out into the water and just bodily carrying people, carrying people out. Yeah, there's no like loudspeaker or anything. It's just. It's it's so strange. Like literally, he like Mike Mike Brody can't call. To the other side of the park for some right, reason. He he's got to run. He's got to steal a golf cart, at yeah. run, crash it, and then run some more. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It just feels like it feels like the script just has a stroke. It's like halfway through, and it just like can't seem to figure out what it's trying to do. It can't seem to figure out how, like, what it what tension is, how to create tension. And every time it does create tension, it immediately deflates the tension and then has to work overtime to get the tension back up. Yeah. (laughs) There's never any mystery. There's never any, you know, it's, it's all the beats of the first two Jaws movies, but like it's being like Friday the 13th 3D. It's hindered by the 3D filming. Like every shot is a weird wide. A lot of them are out of focus. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's... uh, they have too many characters. It's, it, 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 I don't know. It's just nothing. Nothing quite clicks. It's, it's trying. It's well, like, clearly like I'm sure Richard Matheson and Carl Gottlieb and all the other ghostwriters that were script doctors that were on it did the best they could. But it is just like this is a gimmicky movie well, on at, every at, level. You know, at a certain point, it's like this is a shark on a rampage in a theme park. It's like y- you want the shark on the rampage in the theme park. Like, yeah, no. Give I me mean, that. Like that's yeah. that's your second act. Like Why the, is that not happening? <laughs> like the poster has the shark like plowing through boats and water skiers, and you get like one bit of that, and no one gets hurt. Like Leah Thompson gets bitten, yeah, but no one gets killed in that entire sequence, and it's that's just like it's just like you need yeah. to you you need to 
if you're making a blockbuster movie series, it stands to reason that one of the, one of the things you expect with the sequels is they get bigger and crazier for better right. or worse. You know, like you, you make Thor, you, Thor Ragnarok comes after two more conventional Thor movies. Jaws 3D should be bigger and crazier than Jaws 2. And it's not, it's like, it's so tame and it's uh, nothing. Nothing feels new or fresh about it. Yeah, and and but I, again, I'm I'm I don't necessarily. It doesn't necessarily need to. Be, it's a killer shark movie. It doesn't need to be like, you know, reinventing the wheel here. But it just needs to like be functional on the level of the movie that it like of the monster on a rampage movie that it clearly wants to be. But it just like yeah. whatever's going on. Why either either it's the 3D filmmaking or the you know, behind the scenes shenanigans. No, someone is not le- like is not letting it be the monster movie it needs to be. <laughs> oh yeah, and I think the three D stuff, honestly, that all that does is just give the whole production like a veneer of cheapness on top right. of everything yeah. else. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, this was directed by uh, Joe Alves, who was the production designer on the first two. So this was his only movie that he directed. The other three Jaws movies have like real like spielberg jaws to a jeanette zwark who did um uh the only movie uh, he did supergirl oh, okay uh, so he's done <laughs> quote-unquote real movies he's a master of unnecessary sequels uh-huh. and uh jaws the revenge is joseph Sargent who did like uh taking of pelham one two three oh right okay yeah, so like these you know workmen like this so this is this is a director who's completely overwhelmed a script that's been tinkered with all saddled with a 3d gimmick that was you know trendy at the time and you're also trying to do uh, an underwater practical effects spectacular which jaws is famous for you know not really <laughs> jaws as a movie is a famous underwater practical effects shit show that barely managed to work in the end yeah <laughs> so why go back to that well so to speak Oh my goodness. They use a lot of live shark footage in this one and it just looks all wrong. Cuz yeah. like like the, like when the, the they're in the like Spanish galleon. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh the the baby shark attacks like the two crewmen clearly ram it in from off screen. <laughs> and then it cuts to like shots of an actual shark being shot underwater. Right. And it's just, it doesn't work because that shark has so much more mobility and, and, and just life to like, it. And like, yeah. like the sharks of jaws, even the first one don't really look like sharks. Right. <laughs> and they just look like their own thing. <laughs> it's like a shark. Suddenly it's like a shark that looks like the one on the poster and it doesn't, right. it doesn't fit at all. And it's like, it's again, aside from like the last four minutes, which are truly amazing and just mm-hmm. <laughs> the construction of them. Yeah. There's just not a lot like here. There's no like meat on this bone. No, it's, you know, it's, it's like, there's a lot of head scratching stuff. Certainly. Yeah. Like, so there's this character we talked, we were talking about Fitzroyce. Fitzroyce is uh, uh, Simon Fitzroyce, the 16th Earl of Haddonfield. <laughs> No, not the Haddonfield you're thinking of, I assume. Uh, And he's like, he's basically Crocodile Hunter. Yeah. Like, he's like, you see him all the time. Like, he's got his camera out and he's taking pictures at like, of Shamu performing and stuff. But the moment they figure out there's a shark, he's instantly like, you know, Calvin, I could guarantee you media coverage if you film me, if I film you, if you film, let me film myself killing this shark. (laughs) And I'm just like... 
and and and, and then Bess Armstrong is like, no, we need to capture the shark. Uh, there's never been a great white in captivity. We need, think of the money from that. And I'm like, neither of these are good ideas. <laughs> but I'm like, in what universe is it good press for SeaWorld to be like, new exclusive footage, we murder, murder a great a white shark on <laughs> SeaWorld property. For the, yeah, for the lulls. But he's also like an investor in the park? Like, I guess what he's is... like a rich adventurer type. Right. I, I He's like Steve Irwin... But like, yeah, I, I that's the best I got. I see Steve Irwin because Steve Irwin has like marine does did like yeah. s- uh, marine park stuff and zoo stuff, and yeah. I think that's what the Irwin Foundation does. Yeah, it's, but, but it's, it's like he goes around and he's followed around by his little uh, buddy, his like assistant uh, uh, Jack, who always refers to him as East Mark Governor. You know, not if my governor gets to him first. And this guy is truly dedicated to to Fitzroy's. He gives the most the the most uh, bizarre performance in the whole movie. Oh, when he, yeah. When after Fitzroy dies and his like freak out, it's like, yeah. He's, he's like no one like the people like no one else came up. You're the only one that came up. He's like governor. It's like shouting down, pull the pin, governor. He's I I can't I don't want to blow out the mic, but he's the anguish. It, yeah, this character it's... is like oh my god. It, it's like oh I always knew that. This is probably something like this could happen, but I, I just, I've always tried to prepare myself, but I never thought, you're never ready when it happens. Like, he's dealing with this, like, trauma of the moment. <laughs> he's like, you fool, you, you, you beautiful fool, what are you doing? <laughs> it is so weird. It yeah. Is such... <laughs> it, it's, just, it's him and uh, Bouchard are tied for the most, just, like, the most confusing acting choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Louis Gossett Jr. has has quite a few uh, <laughs> like fun lines. I feel like anytime he's talking to Jack and Fitzroyce, he's like he makes like really weird. He made like a segregation joke at one point, <laughs> and I'm just like all I can think of is like if I'm there, I'm like <laughs> I don't want to laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He makes that weird segregation joke about the bubble keeping the sharks out or yeah. whatever. It's what we call fish segregation or something like that. <laughs> it's like, what? what? Okay. <laughs> and apparently the entire command center of SeaWorld is run by just one woman and uh, the owner's nephew. <laughs> Shut up, nephew. Shut up, nephew, who then dies. He's one he of the dies, four yeah. bodies in this one. Yeah. He dies and turns immediately into a white dummy. <laughs> like he's black and then as soon as the shark is chomping on him it's clearly they only had like a white mannequin and that's so. that's all they're gonna use uh you talking about some damn shark's mother i think that was lewis gossett jr I, i've got the best line of the whole movie is you tell shelby overman you can take a flying leap at a rolling donut on a gravel driveway <laughs> so you tell shelby overman you can take a flying leap at a rolling donut on a gravel driveway I'm oh like, man! Ooh, you worked on that one in the car, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's like bottom line. I feel like Jaws should never have been a franchise, and I, no. that's not a hot take. Every one of these movies is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like you basically this fran- it's it's a perfect swan dive of quality. It, like it's you got Jaws, great movie. Jaws two. Okay, you can get away with a second shark showing up one time. And then Jaws 3, it's like, 
now we're saddled with this gimmick to justify this movie's existence. And then Jaws 4, it's like, it's, it, this time, it's personal. <laughs> Jaws yeah, 4, I, it's the one where it, it's, the sharks have a personal vendetta against the Brody family. Oh, right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, now, is Dennis Quaid back in that one or no? No. Uh, Jaws 4, I don't think, I, it either retcons or just it doesn't care about continuity with Jaws 3 because both the Brody sons are in it. But now in Jaws 4, uh, Mike Brody, the older one, is played by um, uh, Lance Gast, the last oh, Starfighter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's now a marine biologist himself, and he lives in Jamaica, and he study, he's doing grant work studying uh, conchs, like conch shell migration. And oh, he's working uh, with Mario Van Peebles, who's thrown awesome. down a real heavy Jamaican accent. <laughs> and Sean, the younger brother, still lives on Amity and is now the chief of police. Oh, okay. And he lives with, you know, he, uh, Lorraine Gary comes back as uh, Ellen Brody, and it's said that Roy Scheider, uh, uh, Martin Brody, has died in the interim of a heart attack, but she knows it was a fear. <laughs> uh, so that, that movie opens with Sean Brody is uh, attacked in the opening scene by the shark oh, out in the harbor, uh, which, uh, amusingly enough, that part was going to be written for Roy Scheider because they wanted just... <laughs> your beloved character to get killed in the opening. Right. <laughs> so that his wife can then go down to Jamaica and have a romance with Michael Caine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Jaws 4 is famously the movie where Michael Caine uh, accepted his Oscar by remote from the set, his Oscar for Hannah and her sisters. And he's going on to say, going on to say, uh, I've never seen the movie, but I hear it's terrible, uh, but I've seen the house it bought, and it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, I mean, there's I, I, nothing to say. I, 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 don't hate, I don't hate this movie at all. No. I, it's I mean, so it, dumb. It's a classic. It, like, it, it's just, I watched Jaws over the July 4th weekend, and then I watched this, and I'm like, it is just shocking. <laughs> like Jaws is just such a well-made movie. And it, it's like, again, it's another one of those things where it's like, take uh, just anytime anyone questions Steven Spielberg, it's like, make them watch, make them watch Jaws and then any of the Jaws sequels. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it, this one, I mean, again, I haven't really, I haven't seen the other Jaws sequels, but I can take your, I, I, believe you in everything you're saying about them but i go back and forth on if jaws the revenge is worse than worse than jaws 3d it's certainly a dumber script <laughs> but it, it's like like the sharks specifically ignore everyone except the brodies like they're like it's it's so weird but uh yeah they're, they're all like this one and jaws for real good shitty sequels like yeah i mean it's just they just feel like product i mean it's not even like it doesn't feel like anyone like actually cared all that much about what was being made no no just not as at long all. as it had jaws the jaws brand on it and like had a vague vaguely killer shark had the shark coming up out of the water on the poster yeah. that same head you know yeah and like as long as the the shark was killing people like they're like all right it's, it's kind of like the halloween franchise yeah. where the, the chief creative people kind of walked away after the first couple and didn't want to be involved anymore it just it feels like a cynical thing it's like we need a Jaws sequel to just make us some money. Like, it's not even, it doesn't even feel like there's 
any artistic need behind it. I can kind of understand someone coming to Halloween and being like, I have a story I can tell with these with Michael Myers. I can understand. I can also understand like Friday the 13th being like, we can pump out these things. You know, there's some artistic merit to that. To this, it just feels kind of, it just feels like product. It doesn't feel like there's not one consistent villain. It's, it's, it's different sharks every time. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, they clearly like when they said in this one, probably like, can we bring back the shark from Jaws two and create like, super shark that's like the main villain going forward well but i can also understand like when i was a kid and i hadn't seen jaws my understanding of jaws was that jaws was a like was like king kong or godzilla and like was his own like had a personality and was his own thing and not like just a, a killer shark you know what i mean yeah like, I, like and so i think that's probably what they were thinking of initially they were like oh this is gonna be our our you know giant monster franchise yeah and it's and uh, they never i and probably because of just budget or anything because this is also still this is still the era where like studios were like can we pay less to make this one like (laughs) yeah exactly it's the epitome of i'd say it's it's as opposed to the third movie where a franchise finds itself this is the third movie where the franchise just kind of gives up it's like there's nothing else to say. This was probably their... The reason this one probably took so long to get going from a development standpoint, because it was, you know, that either commit or get out moment for most franchises up until... Right. You know, with the exception of, like, super cheap slasher movies, most franchises weren't designed to become franchises. And there's really... It was usually... I think Jaws is a perfect example of this. You make the first movie, and then you make your sequel, and then it's like is this a thing or are we done? That's why there's like a whole array of franchises that are just two movies. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, can we, can, can we squeeze more blood out of this stone? Is there, is there anything worth, worth getting out of it? Yeah. And, and, and Jurassic Park probably could have ended up like this if they hadn't sort of stopped and rebooted. There were a lot like Jaws, Jurassic Park three. It's that's like, that, that is definitely also another one of like, what can we do with this franchise at this point? <laughs> it's a lot more fun. It's actually kind of a fun little movie. I don't remember a lot of that movie, but it, it it's more just kind of like a fun monster movie, right? I mean, it's like, it's just kind of going right into the whole hog. Like, this is a monster yeah, like, adventure movie. It's not, um, it's not like trying to add anything new to like the mythos of Jurassic <laughs> Park. It's just <laughs> Sam Neill goes to Skull Island, basically. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's exactly that, what it is. And that's fine. That's totally valid. Right. You know, because Jurassic Park, up until the new, the, the last one, was, I think, the thing they probably had to figure out every time they sat down to make a new one was, how do we get people to keep going to this island? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, I that's, like, like I was saying, like, I just... You want this movie to be, have that straightforward sort of pulpy idea, like... Shark is loose in SeaWorld. Go. And you want it to be just like survival at SeaWorld when like everyone around you is getting eaten. Yeah. And, like they, they can't seem to get that going in any way. Like the train just can't leave the station. I think they might have done this franchise might have thrived a little more if they the other direction Jaws 2 could have gone with is to follow like of the two surviving characters one of them it makes has is has a lot more organic way to get into a killer shark scenario, and that's the 
guy who's obsessed with sharks. Like, if right. you made the sequel following Hooper, like, if he goes out on the Aurora, the, the right. like, shark research stuff, then that, that it, he could become, like, that's, like, his, his character could become kind of the anchor of the franchise. Right. Instead, you're hinging yeah. on a different shark every time, and you choose to follow the Brodies, where there's way less, like... <laughs> In, like, reason for them like to the be... logical reasons for them to be tangoing with a shark except that they saw, all seem to really like being near the water after everything they've been through <laughs> yeah the the brody stuff in this movie just feels so like crammed in there just because it's jaws three yeah there's no I, I, real reason for them to be like no, it doesn't. It's not like Dennis Quaid has to grapple with the, the trauma that he's experienced or whatever. No, the only one that seems informed by what happened to him is Sean, and he's really not that big a character after no. the first act. It's like, yeah, it may, this character it makes sense that he doesn't want to go anywhere near the water, but then he <laughs> does, and it, he's not involved <laughs> in the climax. And it's yeah. not like Mike Brody is the marine. If you'd switched it. If he was the marine biologist, he's kind of like Hooper, because Hooper talks about he was attacked by a shark and he became obsessed with sharks. If that right. happened yeah, to Mike, yeah, yeah. you know, that makes more sense. But no, Mike just happened to become some sort of, like, aquatic <laughs> entertainment engineer. I read Dennis Quaid apparently says he was on cocaine uh, for almost this entire production, and he's ha he's on cocaine in almost every shot, he claims. <laughs> I can, I, I mean, it seems, you can sort of see it, at, like, as it progresses through the movie, but the beginning of the movie, he seems, like, so, like, down-to-earth and normal. Like, yeah, he's, he, he does a lot of the, like, um, Paul Rudd in Halloween 6, like, weird facial expressions, like, a lot of, right, like, right. bug-eyed shots. But he's fine, he's, he's Dennis Quaid. It stands to reason a lot of people were probably on cocaine <laughs> in the 80s in some of their finest movies. And I love Quaid. This is like, he did this and he did uh, The Right Stuff in Inner Space all around this time. Oh, yeah. This is peak Quaid. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other note I found, this was on Wikipedia from casting, was uh, uh, Roy Scheider uh, laughed at the thought of Jaws 3 saying, Mephistopheles couldn't talk me into doing it. They knew better than to even ask, and that he agreed to do Blue Thunder just to ensure that he would be unavailable for <laughs> Jaws 3. That's a level of of commitment that I I really appreciate. Being yeah. like, I'm going to take another job just so I can't be available. Yeah. I, I respect that. You know, I respect that hustle. Because yeah. it's to his credit, he never like phoned it in on Jaws two. No. He's he's yeah. got to carry that whole movie, and he's he's doing a great job. It's I think once you lose those main characters, that's the thing that makes Jaws so appealing. And right. I I you know I get like Jaws two tries to hold on to as much of that as possible, but once you lose those actors and you're you know you've changed locations it's better to maybe just cut all the cords and start off fresh and just start yeah basically do a reboot well, but that or was go kinda... to like hooper or someone like that right or go to a different character yeah i mean but reboots were sort of not really in the hollywood parlance no. at that time well so. you you would do it's the same it's not a reboot but it is just like oh it's all new characters you right know? Yeah, like yeah. the slasher movies do you know every yeah. every friday the 13th starts with a new cast of people right uh, right. yeah. Well, and and thankfully, Jaws, the original Jaws, came out a little too long ago to get one of the, a modern Hollywood reboot where all the characters are sad burnout shut-ins <laughs> because Roy Scheider and Robert Shaw are no longer with us. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'm 
it's probably one of those untouchable movies that they can't. You no. probably won't. No I, one will try Universal to do. still has the rights, and I'm guessing they wouldn't do anything with it without Spielberg's say so. Yeah, that would be my guess. And he he's like, I think he kind of learned his lesson after that ET special edition. Like right. he's never gone back. You, this is the one you could. See, you, I'm guessing George Lucas is like, you know, Steven, you should go and you should clean, fix the shark, clean, clean up some of that stuff in Jaws, and it's you know, <laughs> no, Steven, like what I did to ET's face. I learned my lesson. It's not not again. I'm not. Put, I'm not gonna. What am I gonna do? Have Robert Shaw shooting at him with a walkie-talkie? <laughs> what is it? Robot Chicken, where they do the sketch where it's uh, the jaw like jaw, the the jaw shark special comes out and starts singing, like, yeah, or something. Like I that. say we let him go. <laughs> the shark blows up and has like the ring come out, like the right. Death Star. I remember that. That was like that's like her first season Robot Chicken. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I think, and yeah, they're not going to reboot this. Lord knows you don't need to make a new Jaws to make a giant shark movie. They make plenty of them, of both that both that are trying to be real movies and ones that are just like, you know, <laughs> three-headed shark versus gator puss or something. <laughs> yeah. Or trying to uh, entice the Chinese market, like the Meg. Yeah, the Meg. Uh, or they're like, <laughs> the, the other direction that, like, I think some of the best, shark movies because it's like you make an exorcism movie you're going to get compared to the exorcist you make a boxing movie you're going to get compared to rocky you make a shark movie you're going to get measured up against jaws so i think the best ones have been the ones that have been like much smaller and more character like uh deep water or no not deep water deep blue sea no not deep blue sea deep blue sea is not smart and character oh no you're thinking of uh like the shallows or open uh, water open open water water. open water yeah the shallows was the other one that's the one with blake lively that one's really good too i like that one a lot uh deep blue sea uh it is not character driven and small but deep blue (laughs) sea is a masterpiece as i've said many times and could have been a jaws sequel if they just uh uh, instead of stellan skarsgård just put richard dreyfus in that part (laughs) It would have worked. It would have been seamless. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, oh, well. What could have been? What could have been? been? I mean, hey, we have Jaws. We have Deep Blue Sea. We have Sharknado. There's, <laughs> there's everything that can be said about sharks has been said on screen, uh, but that will not stop them because like like the shark, like the noble great white itself, Hollywood must keep swimming or it will die. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But Jaws 3D, not good, not as good as Friday the 13th 3D on the pantheon of part threes in 3D, I would say. No, yeah, Friday the 13th part three was better, much better than this. And you'd think this would be the movie with the better use of a 3D harpoon, but no. No, it's not. Still goes to Jason, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. And, uh, but I think, uh, next week will, I think I picked this one. So that's on me. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, for, uh, in, in two weeks, we're doing every other week, that, uh, go, uh, for the rest of the summer, because I'm not going to say I'm busy, but, uh, <laughs> it, it gives me a little, a little time to try and find other things to do with myself. <laughs> and, you know, you got to keep them, keep them thirsty, keep them, yeah, keep, right. keep our, our, our fan, I'm not. I'm not confident enough to go plural yet. <laughs> Wanting more. Yeah. Well, I think we have two at least, so you could say fans. I know, but I don't but... know if my mother counts. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, Will, what do you got for us? What, what what's coming up next? 
All right. Well, I've got Sam. Here's a question for you. It it concerns an I, intergalactic. I don't like where the, I don't like where this is going. An at intergalactic all. hunter that comes to Earth frequently. Frequently. Here's oh. a question for you. Okay. Will they only made one? I come in peace. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I win. <laughs> now, so here's a question. What would you consider the third Predator movie? Would you consider Predators? Would you consider it the first Alien versus Predator? Or would you consider the Predator as the third Alien uh, Predator? Are you asking which one I consider to be a movie at all? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, which one would you consider the third? Do you want an honest answer? Do you want me yeah, to just Yeah, I want pick, an honest answer. Or which yeah. one sh- do I want to watch? <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, I'm getting there, but yeah, yeah. I I say will uh Alien versus Predator is the third movie to feature a Predator in it, but that would be considered a crossover film. So I'm going to okay. say it's either Predators or The Predator, <laughs> and I feel like perhaps we uh we discuss both on a certain oh. level. We're going to tackle right. the 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 Predators 3. The Predators 3. All right. Yeah. Then uh, we will be doing, t- since there is a new Predator movie coming out. Oh, yes, will... there is. Yeah. Which uh, actually looks really good. I got to be honest. Prey looks great. It does. It looks great. And, and I like and, I like Amber Mid-Thunder. She was great on Legion. I think it's yeah, going to be a lot of and, fun. And Dan Trachtenberg, uh, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane was really yes. good. Yeah, like, that's I think, right. Uh, so I think it's got a pedigree. I think it's going to be good. It looks great. So why don't we talk Predators next time? All we'll right. We're gonna do predators pre- and The Predator. Yeah. And we'll figure out which one is actually a part three. I mean, it, they all they all have tried <laughs> so hard to get Schwarzenegger back. They all want to be the true well, sequel to Predator. And none of them none of them have tried hard enough. I think that's the thing. Like, he always is offered, and it's like, it's always a cameo. And maybe no one wants to pay him the money he wants for a, pre- a proper Predator sequel, but I think that's the only thing you can do, aside from you know doing something a lot smaller and scaled down. Yeah. If you want to make a real Predator sequel, I think you have to make you have to bring Arnold back. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to bring Arnold, and really, you should bring back uh, Danny Glover too. Yeah. It's only fair. Yeah. Um, Busey died, so you can't bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh man, Predators too, though. That is one of the best sweatiest movies i've ever seen oh my god it is is so sweaty it is so it is so sweaty and everyone is wearing huge pants (laughs) bill paxton sweats through like his shirt no and his his like every blazer everyone in that movie is so just damp like it is the swampy it is the only movie that had like the batman will give you walking pneumonia because it's just raining the whole time uh predator 2 will give you swamp ass yeah, it's so. Yeah, everyone but as, is. But as hot. bad movies go, that's one I I can't bring myself to dislike. It's kind. It's a pretty fun watch. Predators, I I like on a certain level. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a real good Sunday afternoon movie, and the Predator is a real like wahapa. <laughs> yeah. Well, it it's uh, it's one of those the Predator franchise, and we'll get into it, you know, next time, but. The Predator franchise is one of those franchises that like ends up falling into weird Hollywood, um, uh, uh, like I'm having a brain fart, but having like uh, trends. That's the word I'm looking for. But yeah. it falls into the. Oh, you mean how like he? Oh, at the end of the Predator, he gets uh, the Predators send him an Iron Man suit. 
<laughs> well, but so you 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 know you have Predator Two, which is basically following the like overblown, absurdly violent uh, second part, like RoboCop Two. Yeah, and and, 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 then, and it's also like early nineties. It wants to be Lethal Weapon. Right, and then and then you move into and then just speaking of the Predators movies, AVP movies, we can punt to some other discussion um but then you move into predators which falls into the mini trend of the of 2010 specifically 2010 trying to reignite the 80s action movie yeah um yeah. oh you know, yeah the, you have the, the expendables that summer uh, and like um, uh, the millennium pictures era yeah of exactly right and then so then you get to the predator which follows in the course of studios hiring a director for for what the director does and then deciding that they don't want that after the movie has been completed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and on a certain... All right. I can understand maybe you don't want the Han Solo... You want the Han Solo movie to have a little more weight than what Lord and Miller uh, have do with, like, 21 Jump Street. But we all saw it. They, they, Sh- Sh- Shane Black gave you a movie where it's predators and humans riding around on tanks and you didn't want that? Right, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Instead, you want, like, a 45-minute third act that's all about, like, a wild misinterpretation of autism? <laughs> all right, yeah. well, clearly we're going to have things to say about The Predator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot on the, to dig into, and I think Predators is worth talking. I love talking about the Predator franchise, so, like, this is very exciting. It's, so. it's a real, like... Every single sequel in it is is another great false start. It is it's, it's a franchise made in t- only of reboots. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and yeah, we can talk about that. And it's uh, you know it's merit versus say the Alien franchise and things right. like that. But yeah. until then, uh, folks, Jaws 3D. What find the last four? I'm gonna post that last scene on uh, our Twitter. You can find it at Podcast Part Three. Uh, we're also on Instagram because that's the that's all you need. If you haven't seen yeah. the movie and you're listening to this and you've been lost the whole time, just trust me on this. It's just just watch those last four minutes and you will be satisfied. <laughs> yeah, it's like somehow like someone showed you like this clip from Lawrence of Arabia exemplifies everything great about filmmaking. This is like this is the opposite. This is that <laughs> from the upside down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, until next week, it's great to be back. We uh, love uh, talking about this nonsense, and Predators and The Predator are going to be a wonderful one-two punch of eh. <laughs> and I, I, for myself, Will, I can't wait to talk with you about it. Oh, I'm so excited, Sam. I, like I said, I... Uh... The, the Predator Predator the Predator franchise and Alien franchise and Terminator franchise were very part of my uh, my founding and and I just it, they're I just love talking about them and talking yeah. about the Dark Horse comics and all that stuff so and it's it's three franchises where basically during our formative years was the dead zone sort yeah. of like Star Wars where there was nothing going on and then one by one they came back I guess Alien had one there in the mid 90s but yeah. I was, yeah. there was no way in hell my parents were going to take me to see that movie <laughs> I got to see that I got to see Resurrection in, in theaters so okay. I thought that yeah. was pretty cool but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Maybe it's this day and age, but I don't know. I probably it probably should have been a bad this a sign that the movie was gonna be weird when the first thing you see is just full frontal on a child. You know. Yeah. 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 Like, and it only gets 
weirder from yeah, it's there. A, it's a very French movie. It's it very, feels very oh French. Are you saying the guy that made Amelie is French? I didn't. I had. <laughs> oh well, we're gonna have to talk about Alien Three soon because that's. Yeah. That's that's that'll be some meat. That's yep. that's some good brisket right there. Yeah, that's another franchise I love talking about. So oh, I yeah. no, I you and me both. We both yeah. love the Alien movies, yeah. and I will look forward to talking about them. But first, before the Xenomorphs come, the Yautja, and will. <laughs> Yes. yes. I will see you next week for Predators and the Predator. Predator. Yep. All right. Until then, folks, have a great night. All right. And we'll three you later. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Like yeah, you like that? I'm yeah. workshopping. Yeah, that's good. It's a good outro. <laughs>